0: Welcome to Animals Today, your home for a series talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Coyotes seem to be becoming more and more urbanized. They're coming into our cities seeking food and water. Last year, a coyote jumped a six foot wall and grabbed our neighbor's 15 pound dog who was in the backyard. The coyote jumped back over the wall and ran away into the mountains. Coyotes play a critical role in maintaining healthy ecosystems. So how do we keep our families and pets safe around coyotes? What are we supposed to do if we are walking our dog and we encounter a coyote or a pack of coyotes? What precautions can we take around our home or business to avoid any conflicts with coyotes? I'm pleased to welcome back to the show veterinarian Robert Reed. Hey, Robert.
1: Hi, Lori. Nice to be back.
0: Robert, why don't we start with an overview on these often misunderstood animals?
1: Sure, yeah. Coyotes, as you may know, are one of the most uh, maligned wild animals uh, in our country and on our continent uh, for a lot of reasons because they've, they've had a lot of interactions over the last 300 years since we've known about them with people that have had negative effects, and most of those in the past were economic. They were dealing with their potential or perceived impacts on ranching. But, you know, you have to respect them in the sense that over the last 300 years, coyotes have increased their range um, probably threefold. They used to be uh, inhabitants of the central plains of the U.S. extending down into the southwest and and into central Mexico, and they're only native to North America but, you know, we can tell from um, history and from some of the stories from Native American cultures, from the Aztec culture, that coyotes have been on the fringes of human society for, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And, you know, they there is an ongoing relationship between coyotes and people. Uh, the, the name for coyotes is actually is derived from an Aztec word that came up into the U.S. through the Spanish settlements in the Southwest. So it is a long history of human uh, relationship. They, the coyotes have kind of lived off the fringes of human society for some time, and that's probably why they have thrived in the presence of increasing human populations, human cities, because they're extremely adaptable to human ways and to living off, um, the, I guess, uh, the consequences of, uh, of human development yeah so it's inevitable that they're going to be a part of our lives, and then the reason that they are successful is largely because we are successful and and I think we we all would do well to remember that they are going to be a part of our lives and and respect that they have a place in the world um and yes, sometimes their presence and their activity will impact our lives and our pets lives uh, and that can be very tragic at times Uh, but if we don't understand them uh, or we don't try to understand them then uh, we probably won't do as well as we could at protecting um, our pets and our property from them.
2: Robert it's Peter how are you doing? Mm -hmm. So are coyotes like related to wolves or dogs? Where do they fit in in, in the taxonomy?
1: Uh, they are related to both. You know, the domestic dog is believed to have... Uh Uh, is all from the the wolf, but coyote is uh, a member of the same family and would behave in the same way. Their relationship with wolves uh, is a little bit subordinate. Wolves have been one of their natural enemies, and uh, because wolves have declined in number, coyotes have increased in number, among other reasons. Um, So there is definitely a relationship between dogs, wolves, and coyotes, and there are potential for all of them to interbreed. That the behavior of coyotes is a, is a little bit different. They're, they're much more highly adapted than wolves, um, and, of course, they are much more resourceful than domestic dogs, uh, and they're able to uh, uh, to work around them. Uh, that seems to be the key to their success, is they sort of work around the impacts of other species. Uh, it, it is important to remember, though, because they are of the dog family, they will frequently see domestic dogs as a threat uh, and as a competitor. You know, uh, before humans, before Europeans moved across North America, then wolves were their main threat. Wolves and mountain lions were their main competitors for coyotes, and so it's natural that a coyote would see a dog as either competition or as a threat, or in some cases as potential food, Since you know they certainly evolved living with foxes and bobcats and raccoons and other smaller um, predator type or mesopredators or uh, mesocarnivores that you know meat eaters that that fall somewhere in the middle of the food chain, and and those animals would have been a food source for them as well as competitors. So it's not unreasonable to think that a dog, a small dog, or a cat entering a coyote's world. Could be seen by the coyote as both a competition and a source of food.
0: So, Robert, how do we avoid conflicts with coyotes?
1: You know, the 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 number one way, Lori, is to try to keep our lives separate from a coyote. You know, we don't do anything to bring them into our world. So, even intentionally or unintentionally, you don't ever want to uh, a coyote to associate people with food or any other benefits. You know, we don't leave food out that they may that they may have access to. We don't uh, uh, we don't feed wild animals in a way that it might benefit coyotes, even inadvertently. You know, bird feeders, you know, feeding feral cats and dogs can certainly draw coyotes in ways that we don't want. Or uh, providing environments, whether we intend to or not, in, in our yards that that draw draw in rodents which are a primary food source for coyotes, yeah. can bring them into our environments. So basically anything that we do that closes the proximity between us and coyotes um, is, is going to increase the threat from them. There's a key thing to remember about coyotes, you know, they're, they're really smart and they adapt to just about anything that you, you do. So if you want to make your yard less attractive to coyotes and you've done the other, you know, you're not leaving out food sources, but you don't want them coming around, then you you move things around. You know, put big objects in different places in the yard because they're, they're not keen on novelty. You know, they get used to patterns. They know what's going on in their territory. You know they 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 know what animals are there they know what times of day they're there they know what objects are there you know they understand what's going on they're very intelligent animals and when things change they tend to be more uncomfortable and so even having a light on i think they can get used to they can learn where the lights are they can learn when the lights are on and that becomes a pattern a part of their pattern the thing that makes them less likely to come into an area if is if. Things are changing, and they have a um, they have less understanding of what's going on.
0: Robert, when we walk our dogs on the hiking trails or in parks or anywhere, we often see or come across coyotes. What should we do to protect our pets if we encounter a coyote?
1: There are a couple of things you can do, and you definitely can take measures that are not that difficult to protect your pets from coyotes when you're on a walk. But it's important to or it's helpful to understand the different types of of interactions you might have with the coyote in that situation. Uh, One is is, the coyote could be territorial. It could be protective, it could be defending its territory against a perceived threat, which could be any dog, large or small. And the other is that the coyote sees the dog uh, as prey, which is only going to be a small dog. And that can happen even if they're with a person. But most of the time the interactions are going to be territorial because the coyote sees a dog entering their territory, as a threat and you know the simplest thing to do is just move away from them because in those situations a coyote is is less likely to run off if you have a dog and they're feeling territorial they may just sort of stand away from you and and watch they may follow a little bit but they're not necessarily going to chase they're just kind of scoping out where this this um, this intruder is going and how it's going to affect them you know if this is during the denning season, which is you know when they have pups, it's usually going to be around here from early March to mid to late summer, then they may have a den in the area that they're more protective of, and that plays a role in their the degree of their territoriality. But the bottom line is, if that coyote is just standing there watching you, the best thing to do is just move away from them casually. Obviously, your dog should be on a leash so that the dog is not tempted to chase after the coyote because that never ends well. Right. Um, So, you know, keep the dog with you. Try to stay calm and just move away from the coyote. um, And the coyote should then go about its business. If the coyote charged your dog, came at your dog in that situation if it's a small dog you pick up the dog if it's a large dog you bring it close to you and you make noise you go at the coyote you wave your arms um, you throw things in the vicinity of the coyote not at the coyote but in the vicinity just yeah. startle it to make it feel threatened by your presence until it moves away if your dog is being chased by a coyote because it's prey if the dog's if your dog is a small dog and a coyote is is um, trailing you, or if it comes out in ambush towards you, then obviously you're going to pick up your small dog, yeah. not run, mm. but stand your ground and walk toward the coyote. And if you need to make noise, um, but you know, the main the main point is you don't want to be a threat to the coyote. If you're with your dog, you don't want your dog to be a threat to the coyote, and um, you don't want your small dogs to be seen as a running prey at them. Yeah. You don't want to run away with your dog and induce them to chase you. So you, you if, it's, uh, if the coyote is coming at you and is posing a threat directly to you or your dog, then you take a threatening posture. If the coyote is just watching you, If the coyote is standing its ground or trailing you a little bit but not coming close to you, then you just move away and leave them alone.
0: Okay, don't go away. More veterinarian Robert Reed. We're talking about coyotes. Every day in our community, countless animals are starved, beaten, and abused by people. And sadly, most of these cases go unreported, and the abusers get away with it. And in many cases, someone knew about the abuse but did not report it. So if you see someone hurting an animal, or even if you just suspect something, call the police or animal control right away. Animal abuse does not just mean physically abusing an animal. Neglecting animals can be just as bad. So if you see your neighbor's dog being underfed, left without water, or tied up in the backyard without protection from the elements, it's important to report that too. In many cases, you don't even have to give your name, and your phone call may save an animal's life. Remember, animals can't speak out for themselves, so reporting animal abuse can save lives. This message is presented by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org.
2: Okay. Welcome back. Hi, Dr. Reed. Hi, Lori. Okay. So Robert, just the other day, like yesterday, I saw a freshly posted uh, video and it uh, depicts a a woman who is uh, on the shore and and, uh, a coyote. There's no, she's not walking a dog. She has no animal, but there is a coyote who is approaching her and not really running away from her and following her. And she's getting a little freaked out. Then ultimately she was quote-unquote rescued by some boaters. And that, that, that's not shown, but describe what's happening. And I knew what they were going to say. Like the animal uh, experts came on and said, obviously this is a habituated animal who's been fed. And, and that's what they said. And, uh, and we misdestroy him. Well, they didn't go that far. It was uh, interesting because even I, not a coyote person, knew that this was strange. She was doing all the right things and the coyote was like following like, like a dog. It was, it was strange mm-hmm. to see.
1: So you know, in that situation, if I were that person, and you know, it's 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 hard to say how you would react if you felt threatened, as you may have. I I would turn and walk toward the coyote. Yeah. And if the coyote did not um, turn around and, and run, I would raise my arms and jog toward the coyote. Uh-huh. And then if it didn't turn around, I would start yelling at the coyote. Mm. And then I would start throwing things in the direction of the coyote to get them to move away. And I would keep doing it until the coyote went the other direction yeah. and stayed the other direction. Yeah. Okay. You, know, you you have to demonstrate that you're not afraid of the coyote, that you, know, you are a bigger threat than they are. And, and then they become more comfortable keeping their distance and not likely to approach you. Uh, yeah, I agree that there's some reason to believe this coyote was somewhat habituated to people, and, and that makes it more difficult. It's all the more reason to stress that, you know, you should not do anything to to bring um, coyotes into your proximity and definitely never feed them. But, you know, even a coyote like that isn't necessarily going to be a threat, to yeah. certainly not to an adult. Yeah.
2: They're not that big,
1: and they're yeah, not—they're they're much smaller than you think. They're yeah. only, you know, twenty to forty pounds. They have a lot of hair, so they, they look bigger, but they're yeah. not really that big.
2: And they tend not to be uh, rabies
1: carriers. You know, the, the incidence—of course, any mammal can potentially carry rabies—but the incidence of rabies in coyotes is really small. The coyote rabies is is really low, and and particularly in this part of the country. Yeah,
2: Robert. Earlier, uh, you mentioned. Uh, uh, Denning and the seasonality of this. What other events or uh, sort of uh, life cycle things happen across the year for coyotes that we might uh, want to know about?
1: I think that's a that's a good question, uh, Peter, and it kind of brings up a subject that I think is, is both interesting and, and helpful for people if they want to understand coyotes. You know, they you know they do have a fairly predictable life cycle. Um, they tend to live in in small. Family groups. Um, they mate for life, um, and usually they have any, anywhere from like three to six members of the family that stay with them at any given time. Um, you know, January to February is the breeding season. They only breed once a year, and and so you might see during that time more coyotes just being out at different times of the day because you know there are hormonal influences, and you know some of them might act a little bit more territorial. You can see individual coyotes that are prowling around between the territories that are held by the family groups, um, you know, looking for mates and perhaps you know, interacting with dogs in a more territorial nature. That lasts until about the end of February, and and then you have denning starting. Um, Gestation is about two months, so the puppies are going to be born. Around the end of April, mid to late April, um, the pups are going to stay with the mom and the dad They're in the den for about seven to eight weeks. So during this time, the the whole family, the 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 adults, uh, siblings, and the alpha and, uh, male and female uh, will be very protective around the den. Most of the activity will occur near the den, and so they might be. Concentrated and a little bit more territorial if someone or a dog particularly were to encroach around the den, and then afterward, um, for most of the summer, the pups are going to stay with the parents probably for uh three three and a half months, and during that time, the puppies are learning how to be coyotes um, there's going to be a lot more pressure uh, for hunting at that time of the year. Uh, you'll see them you know there'll be a greater threat to wildlife you know their prey species and potentially to small animals uh, like dogs and cats that are viewed as prey during the summer and if it's a bad year for rabbits and for other species of wildlife that might normally be food for coyotes uh, then there might be more pressure at that time on um, on dogs and cats Uh, by the end of the summer some of the pups are going to be moving into new social situations um, some of the females will stay with the family into the next year, but the males will tend to move on. And so in the fall, you'll see redistribution of coyotes. Um, you might see some younger coyotes that are just learning how to deal with the world. Uh, it might be a little bit more desperate, so they might be behaving in unusual manners. So they go through the winter, which is generally a time where there's more food available, uh, reorganizing socially so that they will be ready with their, you know, their pairs and their family groups by the time the breeding starts in uh, in the winter. Yeah. It's a fairly predictable pattern, and if you understand that, then you can try to predict when they might be uh, more visible, and you might understand when they might be more territorial.
0: Robert... Humans always find new and cruel ways to exploit and abuse wild animals. Why do coyote killing contests exist?
1: You know, the battle against coyotes has been waged for at least 150 years in this country, and, and most of, the, of its efforts have been either federally sponsored or or state-sponsored, and, and they still go on. And the coyotes are not really protected, but, you know, in areas of the country— that are uh, whether traditional ranching communities, especially uh, sheep herding areas, then uh, coyotes are still regarded as a threat, um, an economic threat. And, uh, and there are certainly some social factors that play into that. Um, coyotes have always been viewed as a threat to people and as nuisance in those areas. And because of that, um, sportsmen's groups, uh, some commercial operations have sponsored these contests for the last decades, to try and kill, eliminate as many coyotes as possible. And, uh, you know, I have to say that hunting is probably less cruel than some of the uh, the poisoning techniques that have been used by government agencies yeah. that are no longer used. But in the past, you know, 100 years, there's been a lot of really cruel methods for killing coyotes developed. And interestingly, none of them have worked. Um, The coyotes have managed to overcome all of those efforts. They've still increased their numbers. Um, And it's interesting that, you know, people are beginning to realize that when that kind of pressure is put on coyote populations, they adapt and they increase their reproductive capacity so that they repopulate the areas that are depopulated very quickly. And when they do they're repopulating those areas with inexperienced coyotes who have to relearn how to get along with humans. And they're replacing individuals who have already learned how to get along with humans. And so in some ways, you know, our, our human population is increasingly threatened by introducing coyotes that don't know how to get along. And if you keep eliminating those coyotes, you're constantly reintroducing that naivety into the population so you're not reducing the numbers you're just changing the way they interact in a way that is probably less helpful
0: veterinarian Robert Reed thank you very very much you're welcome thank you Welcome back to Animals Today. Okay, Peter, the topic of today's quiz is famous anthropomorphic or animal cartoon characters. Show off. (laughs) Ready? Probably one of the most recognizable cartoon characters in the world. Yeah. This dog was created by American cartoonist Charles M. Schultz and made his first appearance in a 1950 comic strip. Snoopy? Yep. What kind of dog was Snoopy from Charlie Brown? Snoopy was a beagle. That's correct. Oh, you're doing good so far. Let's stop. Spawned from the creation of Jim Davis back in the late 70s, what cat has made appearances in movies, television, video games, as well as comic books and strips? Garfield. Yes. The name of the cat and mouse who first emerged in the 1940s. That's
2: it? Uh, Yep. Not Tom and Jerry? Tom and Jerry. Okay. Do you know... I didn't know they went back so far. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We enjoyed Tom and Jerry, didn't we? Yeah, you were a little girl then, weren't
0: you? I was... (laughs) Do you know which is the cat and which is the mouse?
2: Oh, my goodness. Uh, Jerry is going to be the cat. Wrong.
0: (laughs) Tom was the cat. What curious and lovable fish became hugely popular after hitting the big screen in 2003 in a Disney Pixar animation film. Nemo? Yes. Who was the first cartoon character to ever speak? Jeez. Uh, not Mickey? Yeah. Mickey Mouse. Wow. Mickey Mouse was originally going to be named what? By Walt Disney. But his wife told him that Mickey would be more suitable.
2: Hit me. No
0: Mortimer. Mortimer? Yep. Oh. Mortimer. Mortimer mouse. What kind of animal was Simba?
2: Simba wasn't Simba was an elephant. Lion. Oh yeah, Simba Lion, you oh, should yeah. know that. Oh, Lion sorry. and the Lion King. You've you've uh, oh Simba from the Lion King. Oh that's Simba. Never mind. <laughs> what other Simba do you know? Never mind. Who is the animated character that has appeared in theatrical
0: short films produced by the Walter Lance Studio and distributed by Universal Studios between 1940 and 1972 and is the official mascot of Universal Studios?
2: Well, that's a lot of distracting information you th- threw in there. Well, the, the last, mascot. yeah,
0: the official mascot is the biggest hint was, there. I was, I was, official yeah. mascot of Universal Studios.
2: Hmm. I'm sorry. do yeah, go tell me.
0: <laughs> That's a hint.
2: That is Woody Woodpecker. Yes. That's a
0: nut, really? Yeah. Gee. What kind of animal starred in the movie Ratatouille? Okay, a uh,
2: mouse, a rat. A rat? What was the rat's name? I uh, I don't remember the rat's name. Remy. Oh, yeah. Who is
0: best known? Remy for featuring in the Warner Brothers series Looney Tunes and is now the official mascot of Warner Brothers Entertainment. No, stop
2: it. <laughs> stop it. Come on. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Let me know. No more hints. Just say it. <laughs> Who is your favorite cartoon character growing up? Uh, um, Betty Rubble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bugs Bunny.
2: Oh, the yeah. official mascot oh, okay. of Warner
0: Brothers Entertainment. What kind of animal is Speedy Gonzales?
2: He is a mouse. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay.
0: What's the catchphrase of Speedy Gonzales? Oh, boy. The catchphrase is... I think this is why Speedy Gonzales was is... canceled <laughs> I guess in I our culture right now. But anyway, it is Arriba, Arriba, Andale, Andale. Yeah. Okay. 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 It yeah. is what it is. Who was the first person to voice Daffy Duck.
2: Oh boy. You're going deep. Okay.
0: I don't know. Mel Blank. Yeah. Do you know how many voices no. Mel Blank did on Looney Tunes?
2: I'm gonna say thirty.
0: Over the span of his career, he was in over five thousand cartoons mm-hmm. and did over four hundred different voices for <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. He earned the nickname the man of a thousand voices. Jeez. What kind of animal was often referred to as Taz?
2: Um the not the Tasmanian devil. Yes,
0: the Tasmanian devil. That's... What cartoon character was banned in Finland because he never wore his pants? <laughs> Bugs Bunny, Road Runner, or Donald Duck? Um,
2: okay, I'll go with Donald Duck.
0: Donald Duck is correct. Yeah. Should be wearing his pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the French character? Who is constantly on the quest for love and specifically is in the pursuit of a female black cat?
2: Yeah. Pepe.
0: Pepe Le Pew. Pew. Yes, that one I remember. What kind of animal is Pepe Le Pew? He was a skunk. Yes. What does Pepe Le Pew mean Mm. in English? Oh, uh,
2: in English? Yeah. Le Pew, smelly?
0: uh, Yeah. Pepe the stink. What was the name of Pepe Le Pew's girlfriend? The cat.
2: The cat, kind of girlfriend. Her name was, I don't remember. Go ahead. Penelope Pussycat. Oh, yeah. Jeez.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What kind of dog was Scooby-Doo? German Shepherd, Great Dane, or English Mastiff? I will say Great Dane. Correct. Scooby-Doo got his name from which Frank Sinatra song? Strangers in the Night, The Lady is a Tramp, I Get a Kick Out of Mm. You, Or My Funny Valentine. I think the first one. Yes. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Strangers in the Night. Mm. The inspiration for the name Scooby-Doo came from the Frank Sinatra song, Strangers in the Night, when Sinatra sings Dooby-Dooby-Doo at the end of the song. Mm. Winnie the Pooh is one of the more iconic cartoons of all time. But what is Winnie the Pooh's original name? Oh, Edward Bear, Paddington Bear... Or Rupert
2: Bear? Mm. Boy, so many confusing leads there. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Edward. Edward Bear's correct. Okay. What kind of animal
0: was Wilbur in Charlotte's Web? In Charlotte's Web?
2: I'm going to say Wilbur was a. I'm not into Charlotte's Web, so I'm going to say a fly. A pig. Okay. That one you should know. I don't know that.
0: Okay. What kind of animal was Tigger
2: in Winnie the Pooh? Well, Tigger was Tigger, the only one. So Tigger was Tigger. What kind of animal? I think that that's the point that I'm trying to say. Tigger sort of resembles... Tigger was his own species? Yes. I believe Tigger was a tiger. I think you're deluded there. I don't think you're watching these carefully enough. I beg to differ.
0: (laughs) I focused on my cartoons. (laughs) I think Tigger
2: was a tiger. uh I thought Tigger... Since he's the only one, he was like unique. Like, like just a unique species. species. Right.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to look that up. That's very important to know. Oh, yes. What was the name of the dog in The Simpsons?
2: Oh, The Simpsons. Oh, yes. the hi- uh, Santa's Little Helper. That's this whole name. That's hilarious. What was the name of the dog in The Jetsons? Rastro. Astro.
0: Astro. Good. What kind of dog was Astro?
2: Astro was, oh,
0: purple dog? I don't know. It's a great thing.
2: Another great thing. Yeah. Mm.
0: What was Astro's signature expression?
2: Don't know. Oh, come on.
0: <laughs> Ro okay. roh I almost. It's like, it's like the canine variant of, uh-oh. Oh. Ruh-roh. Oh, oh, yeah.
2: Ruh-roh.
0: Mm. I-ruh-roh. It's all coming I... back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what was the name of the character who tried to eat the Roadrunner?
2: Oh, the coyote.
0: Yes. Wiley. Yes. Wiley. E. e. Coyote. Yeah. Wiley Coyote purchases most of his gadgets and traps from what company? Acme. Branded? Acme. 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 Good, good. You didn't even need multiple choice. What does the E in Wiley e Coyote stand oh, oh, for? Oh, come on. <laughs> this is also very important information. Okay. Ethelbert, Einstein, or Edwin? Edwin. Ethelbert. What is the name of the Flintstones' pet dinosaur? That's Dino. Dino is correct. Dino's main color was blue, red, or purple? Purple. Purple Purple is correct. How does Dino greet Fred Flintstone when Fred comes home from work? He bites Fred, he runs and hides, or he knocks Fred down and licks his face?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
0: Was Dino the Flintstones' only pet?
2: Uh, I'm going to say no was there a bird i
0: think there was a bird but the flintstones also had a pet saber-toothed cat what was his name
2: nope baby puss Jeez.
0: what was the name of the animal who spent all this time trying to catch and eat a little yellow canary
2: okay that was the cat named uh sylvester yes yeah
0: what was tweety bird's signature lines
2: (laughs) oh go ahead
0: you're going to make me say it. I know you know it. You have to I, I say it. S-
2: thought I saw a pussy cat.
0: No, say it the way <laughs> yeah. Tweety would say it. No, that's, that's, that's
2: it. You're the you're the method actress.
0: <laughs> I twat, I taw a putty tat. Okay, good, good. I did. I did taw a putty tat. You just refuse to say it on the radio, don't yeah. you?
2: Did they take this one off the airwaves too? for being? You know, that's a good question. Yeah. It's, it's prejudiced against people who who have, have speech, speech impediments. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah maybe. Yeah. Maybe Tweety was canceled. That yeah. would... Okay, Peter, you did
2: not so good. Not so good. Not so good. Yeah, average. <laughs> average for me. I'm surprised
0: you You're don't surprised. remember your cartoons 40 years later. I
2: know. But, Laurie, the one, one factoid from all this that I found most fascinating, you know, from an adult perspective, all those voices that Mel Blank conjured up Yeah. to make them all distinct and different and I just wonder if they did a pet scan on him now and really understood how his brain can create 400 different ideas and keep them all from blending into just a few it's really incredible oh that's so interesting yeah that's my takeaway
0: Dr. Lori Kirschner and your Animals Today minute for today is about hummingbirds. These delightful diminutive flyers comprise more than 300 species with a range from southern Alaska to southern Chile. Thanks to their unique figure-of-eight pattern of wing flapping, hummingbirds can move in precise, quick movements, including backwards and upside-down flight. Hovering by a flower permits their long, specialized tongues to reach the flower nectar before darting off to the next meal. And depending on the sugar content of the nectar, hummingbirds may consume up to their own weight of it each day. Less preferred foods include tree sap, pollen, and insects. But a lot of energy is required to sustain their metabolic rate, which is the highest of any warm-blooded animal. Their name, of course, comes from their characteristic sound produced by the rapidly flapping wings measured at up to 80 beats per second. The smallest hummingbird, the bee hummingbird, can weigh less than 2 grams. That's less than a penny. And most weigh less than 5 grams. It's easy and fun to attract hummingbirds to your garden with easily available feeders and sugar solution. But here's a tip. They often get stuck in open garages after being attracted to the red color of the door's emergency release cord's handle. Their natural instinct to fly upwards to safety rather than horizontally out the opening can tire these little guys out. But by painting the handle a different color than red or wrapping it with black electrical tape, the birds won't wander into the garage. And that's your Animals Today Minute for today.
3: For three decades, International Society for Animal Rights has fought the battle against dog and cat overpopulation. ISAR is committed to raising public awareness of dog and cat overpopulation through ISAR's Worldwide International Homeless Animals Day. For a list of all ISAR overpopulation programs, please see their website at www.isaronline.com.
2: Welcome back to Animals Today. With us is Dr. Carol Osborne out of Chagrin Falls, Ohio. She has a busy and successful integrative veterinary practice. She is the founder and director of the nonprofit organization, the American Pet Institute. Welcome, Dr. Carol.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
2: Okay, so uh, right now... Uh, it's travel season, and a lot of people, actually, this is how I got into this. A lot of people are sort of evacuating. They're moving out of California, and I'm reading the uh, the boards of people. Or how are you traveling? Are you renting a U-Haul? How are you moving the family, the kids? Where are the kids going to go to school? How are we going to move our pets? That is a real interest for a lot of people, particularly the cats. The dogs are, are pretty easy, but... I'd like to get your uh, guidance and advice on how to travel over long distances in a car with your pet cats. Let's say you've got a few cats to drive, you know, 10 hours with. How do you, how do you approach that? Well,
3: contrary to, uh, I think, a lot of hype on uh, a lot of these online groups and social uh, get-togethers, in general, uh, as a veterinarian, Uh, in my experience, most cats travel quite well uh, without any medication. The biggest thing uh, is make sure that they love what it is that they're going to travel in. Certainly, you're not going to buy a a cat carrier, uh, put your cat in the the next day and, you know, head out across the country because then you're going to have a very unhappy cat. On the other hand, you got to remember, cats are territorial. So, you know, their life is about ritual and territory, uh, you know, marking behavior, scratching, on and on and on. So if you're going to take a trip, you want to have whatever it is that that cat is going to travel in right there in the house, in the room. The cat should already be sleeping in it um, and everything else. So it's, it's just a, a piece of, the furniture in the home that the cat loves, that the cat is used to, that's filled with cat smells yeah. um, and the cat's territory. And if you do that long before you think about traveling, your trip's going to be great and you're really not going to have uh, too many problems at all. And I can also tell you, they've got some phenomenal cat carriers. I mean, just all, all kinds of great ones that I think cats love and the owners love because they're big and they can see out and they're, you know, super comfy and all that. you got to get rid of that old school stuff and the airline carrier. You know, uh, we have progressed way past all of that stuff. You you know what I'm saying? So do your homework, you know, don't travel on impulse and throw your cat in the carrier. You'll regret that. But when you decide you're going to hit the road with Fluffy – you're going to have a reliable, great carrier that's comfortable, that your cat loves, a little portable litter pan, plenty of the kitty's food and water, a copy of your cat's medical records and, you know, some security blankets, uh, you know, Ferons, Um, you know, they, they've got them in a million different ways these days. Those are great to sort of, you know, have on hand, um, you know, your kitty's favorite engagement toys, Those are all really good things when you make up your list of what it is that you're going to pack for the kitty. What you don't want to do is the week before you leave, go to a couple of pet stores and buy all kinds of new stuff. No. Now you have flunk. You want that old, smelly, torn up, stinky stuff that your cat knows, loves. And is happy with it. That way, uh, you're not disrupting your cat's life. Oh, yes. You're just going with the flow, you know, as, as they say. Yeah. I think that uh, traveling by car is, is great, especially with all the health challenges and the airline ch- challenges that we're faced with today. You know, I'll tell you, I have great luck with these essential oils. I have them specifically made up for kitties in various combinations shake a couple of drops on them once or twice a day they're calming as well as healthy they are absorbed through the skin uh, into the bloodstream and because of a cat's natural grooming behavior they're also ingested orally so they're healthy they're calming um and they smell good too you know they've got all kinds of stuff if you really want to spend your money uh, on cat goodies, you know, they've got cat nap, anti-scratch, throw blanket, they've got faux fur, you name it, from head to toe. Whatever it is that your cat likes, yeah, the toys, the treats, the food, the water, all of that stuff, that's what you want to bring with you. And that great carrier that the kitty just loves. Um, and I think you will find most Kitty owners will find they're going to have a great trip, no fuss and no muss.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned uh, the cat box, and you mentioned uh, water. So uh, are you suggesting keeping water in this special carry with them, and uh, and how about the same for the, the cat the small cat box?
3: You know, there's different different ways to do that. You know, that knowing that most cats don't drink water uh, unless they're in kidney failure. Having some bottled water, again, that you bring from the home, you're going to plan to make many stops every few hours, and I think that probably makes a bit more sense as far as, you know, offering your kitty water. Water is something that uh, a dog wants to have all the time, but pretty pretty low on the list when it comes to healthy kitties. Yeah. If you have a really good carrier, you know, you can have a little tiny, you know, kind of litter pan in there. Yeah so again, you know, the cat's happy and um, no, you're not asking the cat to, um, you know, hold his bladder until the next truck stop. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. okay. you, you, know,
3: you know what I mean? You have to just keep everything as smooth and as similar to being at home as you can. And I think in a lot of cases, you know, le- less is more, as they say, but, you know, between the Velcro and all the really cool stuff that they have available uh, to make traveling a great experience It's a great reason to go shopping and, you know, bone up as they say on a uh, best way to be happy for your kitty while traveling.
2: Okay. Okay. So I feel better already. And uh, th- thank you for that interesting perspective. We've been speaking with <laughs> Dr. Carol Osborne and uh, remind us how people can find you
3: can find us online at www.drcarol.com abbreviated drcarol.com um, our clinic chagrin falls pet clinic uh, has a big website as well chagrinfallspetclinic.com and we welcome calls and questions from pet lovers coast to coast
2: very good great chatting with you look forward to speaking to you soon
3: thank you so much peter
2: And thank you for tuning in to
0: Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals.